Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. As, as we begin talking about this, I need you to consider this question for a moment. Are you doing what you're meant to do? That as you look at your life, do you, do you look at it and say, I'm doing what I'm meant to do? I just, I just have that feeling that, that this is it, that this is the place where God wants me. This is the, the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And yeah, I, I found this meaning in my life. Or another way uh, that we ask it is, is in your calling. Do you feel like you missed your calling? Or do you think like you, that you've answered your calling in life? And as you think about that, this whole idea of your calling in life, there's different ways that we try to answer that. And, and especially if you're someone who's maybe 16 years old to maybe 20 or 23 or 25 or 40, it, it starts with my kids. I don't know if you have the, the same thing, but when they're in high school, and the question is, what do I want to do for a living? And, and so you, you, you try to encourage them, and I think back to those times in, in my life, and usually what it, it's, it was for me is I had different jobs, and I found out what I didn't want to do for a living. And, and so it started with my first job, babysitting. After a few nights of that, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be a babysitter. I got to find a different job. And so when I was in ninth grade, I, I was doing some landscape work and, and, and working uh, outside at this condominiums by a lake. It was actually kind of fun and did that for about four years. But I was getting paid $3 an hour and uh, I didn't like that. And so I delivered appliances for a while. I worked in a cafeteria, definitely didn't want to do that. Uh, I worked with my brothers doing plumbing. That, that was good. Money was good. But, but that wasn't it either, and, and there was kind of that itch that I couldn't scratch, not, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. How about you? I, I have to believe that as you look back in your life, that there are jobs that you've had that you say, you know what, I don't know what I want to do, but I certainly don't want to do that. Yeah. What happens is, is that somewhere along the line, you, you get to a place where you, I'm guessing most people do this, where you find something that you can live with, right? That, that it pays the bills, and, uh, and, and so you, you pursue that. But then what happens is, is the same thing that happens with high school kids and maybe college kids has an echo when you hit about 40 years old, or maybe a little bit older, and it's called a midlife crisis, and, and really what the midlife crisis is, is it's about the question, am I doing what I'm meant to do? Have I missed my calling? Is this it? I mean, is this what I'm going to do? I'm already here. Um, I'm halfway through maybe my working, maybe only a third of the way. But anyways, that, that I look at this and I say, is this, is this all to it? Is there, is there, this that's all, is there only this to it? So what we do very often is we look for a silver bullet. We, we look at our lives and we ask the question, what needs to change in order for me to have meaning in my life? 
And what's interesting is how much and how often has to do with a job or a role that we have, that we look at that and, and we tend to define ourselves and our meaning by the role that we have. Well, today as we look into to God's word, I'm telling you, this isn't going to be one of those sermons, it better not be, where you said, after the message today, I realized I had to quit, and, and, I did, and I'm just going to go in tomorrow and tell them I have a new meaning and a new path for my life. Don't do that yet. But, but my encouragement, and, and I just want to say it right out front so, so we're clear with this, is that you don't necessarily look for meaning in the role that you play in your life, but rather that you find meaning in a relationship that you have in your life. And that relationship is with Christ. I just want to say that right as we begin, and now it's going to impact a number of the things, your role and different relationships you have in your life and and how you deal with other people. But especially as we look at Ephesians and Ephesians chapter 4, it's about a relationship that starts with Jesus and then goes to relationship with with other people, with, with those that are close to me, and what God would have me do in my life. So let's begin. Ephesians Chapter 4, beginning verses 1 to 6 to start. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Notice that word calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We go back to the beginning, the very first part of that verse. As a prisoner for the Lord. From this, we we recognize that Paul wrote this literally while he was in jail. Okay, so uh, he's writing this as someone who's physically in jail, in captivity. This is an important place to start because when I asked you about are you doing what you're meant to do or or have you answered your calling in life? If your answer is no, you feel like you're in jail. You're trapped. You ever feel that way, trapped by your job because I have to make a living and so I have to keep going and, and, and showing up for work and, and I, I have to pay the bills and, and we have to eat? Maybe you feel trapped in a relationship that you're like, you know what, I, I don't know if I should leave or, or not leave or I have an obligation. And so this is the self-talk that you go through in your mind. That, that somewhere in there, as you think about not living your meaning or not living your purpose, you're thinking about the disappointment, all of these things that shackle you and hold you down. And what Paul is saying is, I can relate to that, but here's what you have to be careful not to do. That you, you have to realize that just because you're not doing what you would like to be doing, which for Paul, do you think he wanted to be in jail? Do you think that limited what he was able to do? Yeah, completely. But that's why he starts with that. As a prisoner, as someone who's not doing exactly what I wish I could be doing at this moment, as someone who has other circumstances that, that are keeping me from a role that I would like to have, this is what I'm telling you as you feel in jail like you're in jail, understand that you 
that you need to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. No matter what jail you're in, no matter what prison you're in, that's where it starts. Paul understood that. He understood he was where God wanted him at this time. And now as you're doing this, as you, you start to understand where you're at and how you're going to live this life that you're called to live, he gives you two things that you, that you want to have. Number one, be completely humble. And the second one that, that he, he goes down to a few verses later is understand there's one body and one spirit. And, and, he, and he goes into that whole thing that there's one, one, one. In the blank you can write, I am called by God to faith. I'm called by God to faith in Jesus, okay? So, so that's where we look at it. So when you think of what your calling is in life, please do not think of your occupation, but rather think of your relationship with Jesus. And in that way, all of us have the same calling, to believe in him to have a relationship with him, to understand the forgiveness of sins that I have in him, that we will have an eternity to explore this relationship. And then the second part, this faith will be seen in humility, humility and unity. That as we go on this journey, please understand that, that if, if you are looking to try to, to scratch that itch, that, that, that meaning and that calling that God has for you, that if you do not do it with humility and unity, with unity in mind, you will not arrive at the destination ever. First of all, humility. Humility is so important because humility has so many different facets. Here it says, notice, be completely, hum, uh, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. I am telling you, if you are a humble person, you will be a gentle person, and you will be a patient person, because patience is the ability to put others ahead of yourself and their agenda ahead of yours, and you need to be humble to do that, to say, you know what, this is what I want, but I'm willing to take second place to you. And that gentleness as well, all of these things build off of humility, and humility starts with a Christian when we confess our sins, turning to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life and this relationship in my life that no matter where I go from here, that if I don't go with you, it's the wrong direction. And then finally, the second part of that is the unity part. I'm just telling you, I have weird ideas of what it means to grow in the faith and be a leader as I, as I became a pastor, and what I really thought was that the stronger leader I became and the better pastor I became, the less I would need the support of those around me. Because I'm getting smarter, right? And, and I'm using all my experience, and as the leader, that means everyone looks to me. I don't look to them. That is wrong, and that is a recipe for disaster, and, and it's something that over the years has God did humble me by making me recognize how much I need the unity of those around me and, and, and the fact that we're meant to do this together. Let's continue. So, so we're, we're going forward looking for this meaning in life. And now he says, but to each one, 
Each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And he's talking about grace that he's talking about is not just this undeserved love that we're forgiven by Jesus, but now another grace. And that grace is that we're given the opportunity to serve. So grace has been given. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, here we go again, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's fill the blank in right away. I have been given grace to serve in God's church. And now we are talking about role, right? Now we're talking about what God has made me to do, that we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And, and so it's, it's natural that as you think about your meaning and your calling in life, understand that what role you have and what role you play is definitely a part of it. It's not all of it, but it, but it is a piece. And, and that's where he starts, is whatever role you have. One of the things that we, my wife and I have done over uh, the last 15 years, 20 years with our children, is when they were in school and, and when they were given the opportunity to be part of a team, we encouraged them to do it. Whether it be sports or music, being part of a band or uh, being in a play or whatever it is, that, that extracurricular activities and, and especially team activities that we really encourage them to do that. And there's a couple of reasons why. One is so they stay out of trouble, right? And, and they have positive influences of people around them. But also what happens as part of team is that you develop relationships. And, and they are people who are very close to you. And so as you look at the, the different roles that you have on a team, all of those are meant to, to be together, whether it's a football team, a basketball team, even a, an individual sport like a golf team or a cross-country team. All of those, you, you see these kids on the team start to grow closer and closer together. When they're young, maybe freshmen or sophomores, you have the upperclassmen telling them exactly maybe what they should be doing or what they should expect. And, and then when you're an upperclassman, you're able to help them and, and uh, be a captain or a role model, however you want to say it, for those who are on the team. And so it is with, with the body of Christ, is that we are meant to be together, and, and God does that. One of the ways he brings us together is through service. And so right next to that, right ministry team. Ministry team, that, that I have roles that I can play at Crosswalk where I serve with other people, and yeah, work gets done, which is great, but we say this all the time, but people get done as well. This is how I get done. This is how relationships develop, and as I grow and as I mature in my faith that, that others are with me and others support me, a very important part of, of what we do is understanding our roles, the gifts that God has given me, and, and how I can serve. Now, if you are someone who's on a ministry team right now, or maybe someone who's a leader of a ministry team right now, you need to be reminded that, that you get work done 
But that is not the most important thing you do. The most important thing you do is, is the relationships that we have and how we grow together in, in keeping this, this unity and, and growing together as God's children. This is part, remember, what we're talking about is doing what we're meant to do, realizing we're not in isolation. We continue. Ephesians 4, 14 to 16. As we do this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, notice the highlight, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's fill in the blank again right away. I am called to speak the truth in love. Okay, now we're going away a little bit from our role and, and the things that we do and, and, and the job that I have. And now we, we go a little bit more to... God's word and his teaching and, and how I'm going to grow as I hear that. Next to this one you can write, growth group. And growth groups are, are very much the same as you look at this, the way that this works with the sharing of God's word and speaking the truth in love, that as I continue to grow in my understanding of God's word, that I'm going to share these things. And so at first it starts with me being taught, and then it goes from there that, that after I have learned, now I have the opportunity to teach. It's one thing that goes on with parenting, right? I think that's the most natural place that it happens, where we take what we've learned over the years, and as our children grow up, we, we share that with them to the best of our ability. The way that this looks at crosswalk is we have a class system. And the class system is, first of all, understanding Jesus and the Bible. And then we go from that to 201, 301, where we learn the basics of Christian doctrine and Christian living. 401 and 501, living with a mission, living with a purpose. And by the time you go through those, you're going to be at a place where you've grown up a little bit, and maybe even a lot bit. And, and when you're there is when you're going to have opportunities to serve and share with others, to speak the truth and love to them, to help them along wherever they are at. And, and so you encourage them to grow. After you go through 101 and 201, and especially after you're finished with 201 class, that's when you have the opportunity to be a growth group leader. And then as you are a leader, the encouragement is that you continue to grow. The next step of this is, is one that's not completed yet, Crosswalk Institute, where individuals continue to grow in their faith and understanding, but not just so that they know more, but that they can share it, that they can speak this truth in love. And notice what happens through that? Others are equipped, equipped for ministry, given what they need to, to go out into the world and, and live for Christ and share him. We continue. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord 
that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. I'm going to read that again. They are separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. The hardening of their heart. They don't want to hear it. They they don't want to change. This is the way that I am. And notice what happens after this. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I need you to go back a little bit up in there where it says, Having lost all sensitivity, they gave themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And and the first thing I need you to understand is the losing of sensitivity. And the the best way that I think I can describe this, (laughs) I don't know if it's the best way or not, but it's the best way I can do it, is I would use this, a description is use of alcohol. If you have someone who never uses alcohol and then they do use alcohol, you know that they are going to very quickly, the alcohol is going to have an effect on them. But you also have known or heard uh, that those who drink all the time uh, build up a tolerance for it. And so what happens is that if they are trying to get a buzz or if they want to get drunk and they want to do that on a regular basis, that it's you need more and more and more. I I remember this so vividly that a guy that I worked with when I was in college drank a case of old style every day by 6 p.m. And that's when he went to the hard stuff because he wasn't driving anymore. And I'm like, that's nuts. That, that's, that to me. And so what happened is, is he lost all sensitivity, and then he wanted to ingel- give themselves over to sensuality. I want to feel something, and so I have to do more. I have to do more of what it is because I've lost sensitivity to it. And so not only do I have to do that, but I have to do other things so that I feel or don't feel. And so it went from the beer to hard alcohol, to use of drugs, so that he could feel or not feel something. I need you to to think about this in, in terms of your life, because this isn't just about alcohol. This also happens in relationships. One of the hardest things for me that 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 really bothers me, and I remember this from when Tanya and I got first married. It really, I have, I cannot watch Tanya cry. I just can't. When it, when she is, when, when, when that happens, because it doesn't happen much, 
I immediately lose. Whatever we're doing, the argument or whatever it is, what we're talking about is over because that to me is like the, sensiti- the sensitivity that I realized I've gone too far. With my brothers, it was always crying or blood. That was when it was, when it was done, okay? The problem is, is that as I listen to marriage counseling, that, that I hear of, of couples that, that fight so much that, that I hear things like that are cries for help or that a wife is crying or that she explains, oh man, one in particular I think of where, where, where she was saying how she was scared of her husband and, and how his anger just made her pull back and you could see it that she was like a, an, when you see like an abused animal that, that just shrinks away, that's what she was like around him. And, and, and we're talking about this and the way that he, he made her feel and how he was doing this. And he responded by saying, yeah, but I don't get supper every time I want it either. That was someone who lost all sensitivity and, and was going for sensuality. You know what? Let's talk about what I want and then I'll be happy. Continue to give me and feed me and, and, and feed this desire I have. And you know how you regain sensitivity? Is you stop doing it. That that when you show restraint, and when you show self-control, and when you step back and deny yourself, that is when sensitivity over time is restored. And that's why he says, with the way that Christ taught you, you weren't taught to go and overindulge and, and, and follow your senses and feed your appetites. You were never taught that. But rather, you were taught restraint and self-control and to enjoy the gifts that God has given you within the boundaries of Ten Commandments. And the reason why God has given those is so you can enjoy that, that with that renewed sensitivity those gifts that he wants you to enjoy. And so my question to you is, is as you, you look at the, losing the meaning in your life or missing your calling, might it be because you've lost sensitivity in hearing, in hearing God's word, that, that it doesn't affect you, that it doesn't bring about humility, that it doesn't bring about a desire for unity, but a, a desire to be fed, a desire to feed your sensuality and, and what you want in your life instead of what God wants. And here's the thing is, as you continue to grow in in wanting what God wants for your life, that itch that you're so desperately trying to scratch, God scratches for you. And you begin to find the meaning that you so desperately want. In the blank. You can write, my biggest spiritual battle I fight is with myself. Here's the deal, just in case no one ever told you this. The unhappiness you have in your life, being in your job, being in your relationship, being in whatever it is, the one commonality through all of your issues is you. Just the way it is. Sorry. In case no one ever told you. And, and, and here's the beauty is that's why Christ has come as well. That, that sometimes the saving that we need is the saving us from ourselves and the things that we do. So how do we go forward? Therefore, each of you 
must put off falsehood and speak truthfully, right? We already said speak the truth in love. Here we go again. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. There's three sermons here. I'm telling you, this is, there's just so much here. But, but I'm, I'm going to have you fill in the blank, and then we need to talk about it just a little bit. You can write, I will engage in conflict. I will engage in conflict in a constructive way, productive way. I will engage in conflict in a productive way. Okay, here's the way this works. Conflict. That, that there's, there's two sides of the road that you can go in the ditch. One of them is to not talk and have no conflict. And the other is to be so over the top with conflict that it's like a knockdown, drag out fight that, that nothing good is done. So those are, are the two places we, we don't want to go. Let's talk about them just for a moment. The first highlighted where it says, do not give the devil a foothold. Do you, do you want to make the devil happy? If you want to make the devil happy, this is, this is the way that you do it. Have something happen in a huge blow up and don't talk about it. Or, or I'm, I'm telling, I'm, I'm going to admit this, and Tanya would definitely say it's true, especially when I was younger, I would just leave. I, that, that it would be something I wouldn't like the, the topic, I'd grab the keys and leave. I'd just be like, you know what? I don't have time for this right now. I got like other work to do, God's work to do, so I'm, I'm leaving. I've, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but there, I have to believe that there are times, guys, you, you, you know this, and I'm just going to tell you this, and, and wives, you're not allowed to use this as a club on them. You're just not. But sometimes we do that, and we're cowards. We're cowards because we don't want to face it, that, that we, we, we have this fear of confrontation or, or whatever it is. We don't want to get into it. And I want to make this clear. Sometimes you need to step back, okay? Just so we're clear. This doesn't mean that uh, I'm, I'm going to go in both guns blazing and I'm going to be all, you know, my emotions are ruling the moment. So there might be times where you say, you know what, we're going to talk about this, but not until I cool down a little bit. But I'm talking about going away, and then, you know what I'm talking about, and then you come back like everything's great. Hey, honey, what's up? It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, what? I'm, I'm fine. We're good, right? <laughs> funny but not funny is what it is. And then there's the other side. So the foothold is there because the problem festers. 
And Satan loves that because now unity is destroyed. And there was never given an opportunity for humility and me to confess my sin and for her to forgive me. And when that happens, Satan is firmly entrenched. Where there is no forgiveness, Satan lives. But then the other part of this is if you want to make, so that's the way you make the devil laugh and, and be happy. And if you want to make the Holy Spirit cry, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice, does this sometimes describe the way you interact in a relationship with someone else? That you are so angry, that you are so upset, the name calling begins, uh, the, the abuse, verbal, sometimes physical, come on. I, 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 I don't think. Paul, I, I had to believe, as he wrote this saying, I shouldn't have to say this to the Ephesians. But you know what? He said it anyways, which leads me to believe it was going on. And the reason I'm saying this is a part of me feels I shouldn't have to. But the other part also says, I, I'm sure this is going on and you need to hear it as well. And, and so run the course. And what is the course then that, that we follow? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, as in Christ God forgave you. It's a very concise recipe, formula, whatever word you want to do, use for conflict resolution. Just like God forgave us. So establish what the sin is, identify it, confess it, forgive it, show love, move on with your life. And so as we continue, remember what this conversation is about? This is about what you were called to do. And this is about finding meaning in your life and the way that you live. And am I doing what I'm meant to do? And so do what Paul did. As he was in his prison... He was kind and compassionate, forgiving others in the same way that God forgave him. That, that his prison did not keep him from being what, what God wanted him to be. As a matter of fact, if he went to been there, we might not have the book of Ephesians. God was working his purpose. And so as you look at where you are at, you still, to some level or another, feel like you are in a jail or you have that itch you can't scratch. Let's, let's review one more time how we're going to do this with humility, with a desire for unity, that I'm going to examine my roles. What is it I'm doing? What does God want me to do? What, what part of a team, whether it be a team in my family or a crosswalk or whatever it happens to be, how am I going to serve? How am I going to, to grow as I gather around his word and in growth group, personal devotions, worship out wherever it happens to be? And then how am I going to keep myself under control? And the answer is by remembering your baptism every day, remembering who you are, forgiven child of God, and showing it by being kind and compassionate, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. You do have a calling, and that calling is to faith in Jesus. And your life does have meaning. Jeff talked about the purpose last week. The meaning also, as you would live as a child of God with his purpose in your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, 
You have given us so much. And the, and the book of Ephesians, the letter to the church at Ephesus, reminds us of that. It remembers of, of the grace you have shown this undeserved love. And, and you have such a, a great relationship with us. It couldn't be any better. But Lord, now as we take this the next step, we're going to have relationships with others and with ourselves. And so we ask that you send your Holy Spirit and you help us make the, the changes that we need to make uh, through your power. Help us to, to join ministry teams and be part of groups that serve together. Help us to, to grow in our growth groups as we meditate on your word and get into the class system as well. And finally, Lord, uh, just as important, help us to live in the forgiveness that you have given us and share it with others. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you go today, I just want you to, one picture I want to leave you with. And in the, in the Bible, it describes Jesus' calling of his disciples. One time it was as he was walking along uh, the Sea of Galilee and, and they were fishing and he called them. Another one of them, though, is the calling of Matthew. And he was sitting at a tax collector's booth. And he no doubt had heard some of Jesus' message before, but on this day, Jesus went to him and, and said, Matthew, follow me. And he got it from his tax collector's booth, and his, and his life changed because he answered the call that Jesus gave to him. And, and today, as we look at this, that we are called, Jesus is calling you today to be his child, follow me, and understand that, that their lives changed, and Jesus changed them. And for us, that's the possibility as well. And that's why we go forward looking at the change that we need, understanding that it's Christ alone who brings it. And now as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.